Let's keep it real, people. You are in for a treat. Not only am I having two awesome guests, that's right, two, the Anxiety Sisters, Abs and Mags, that you can listen to, but if you want, you can actually see them. It's awesome. I'm telling you, I just love these women and they answer so many questions. And really, I felt like, wow, I thought I understood what anxiety was and different tips and techniques and tools to deal with it. But man, did they give me so much more. And let's face it, whether it's ourselves at different periods in life or others, there isn't a person on this earth that couldn't benefit by different techniques and tools to deal with anxiety in their life. Everyone can. Everyone can. So I know you're going to want to rate it, share it, like it, subscribe. And as always, I really appreciate you checking out my website and referring people to me and people that you've sent my way for speaking engagements. They've been awesome. I've been having so much fun. So thank you so, so much. Enjoy. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Okay, my Let's Keep It Real people, we don't do this that often. They don't even know the secret. Normally, you can't see my guest. It's all audio. But when I looked up Abs and Mag, I was like, I got to see these ladies and get them on screen. So here they are. Woo-hoo! She really gave us no warning. So we did not do any hair or makeup. This is how we always, <laughs> anyone who follows the Anxiety Sisters knows, this is how we always look. <laughs> This is how we roll. This is us, baby. <laughs> yeah. So we were just talking about, it was wonderful. It was all great. I just got back from a big family reunion where people haven't seen each other in 20 to 30 years. And for a lot of people, not naming names, it can cause anxiety, right? We've heard that a time or two. <laughs> so we don't have any personal experience with anxiety provoking family gatherings. We just don't know what that's like, but we've heard it exists in the world. Well, all right. So before you came on, I want to back up a little second because people, just so you know, I got a hundred questions of what to ask the ladies. We're not going to get to them all. So we'll get to a few of them. I love you guys. I started talking before I pushed record. I can see I'm going to forget to do this, but I ask every single one of my guests. So you both get different words. One word to best describe your past 30 days. Abs, whatever pops into your head, Mags gets to think about now and why. Okay, so I'm going to go with adventurous. Ooh, ooh. Because in the last 30 days, for the first time in my whole life, I conquered a fear and I flew over the Atlantic Ocean and went to Europe for the very first time. So I I overcame a a real phobia that I've had for years and years and years. And my husband and I went with my parents on a whirlwind vacation in Europe. And it was spectacular. And I felt so lucky to have the opportunity and thankful that my parents were paying for it. And also 
also really excited to, to do something that I was afraid to do. Okay. That's a big one. If that was something, and where did you go in Europe? We went to Switzerland, Germany, France, um, the Netherlands and Belgium. Wait, how long were you gone? Three weeks. Wow. Mazel tov. That's awesome. Okay. So we got to stay with this just a little bit more. Okay. Okay. One was the desire to go stronger than the fear to fly. Yes. Okay. Two, what did you do to prep yourself for the flight? Oh, I was prepping for years. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I mean, we're going to talk about spin kits later in the podcast. I'm sure people ask us about that, but I carried my spin kit with me. I even made a video of it and put it on our Facebook page so people could see other anxiety sufferers could see that I walk the walk, man. I, I tell you that you should, you carry a spin kit and I myself do it as well. So I had all kinds of things with me to soothe me. Mm. Um, and, and I also had Ativan with me just in case I had a panic attack, but I'm happy to report that the panic stayed pretty mellow, wow. stayed pretty mellow. I did a lot of self-talk. I did a lot of breathing. I did some yoga before I got on the plane. Mm. Oh. And just to know that it wasn't that this was Abby's, Abby was not afraid of flying per se. So she, she flies all over the country just because I don't want someone to think like, oh, I'm afraid of flying and my first flight could be to Europe or whatever. Cause that yeah. might be hard. But I was afraid of flying to Europe. In other words, it was, it, I was. I oh, had, thank I you. Thank you for that, sissy. Yeah. All right, okay. See, I, I had a flying phobia for many, many years. There were years where I did not fly anywhere and I worked through exposure therapy. I worked myself to be able to fly. And now I fly all around the country pretty comfortably. Yeah. But I've always been afraid to fly out of the country. I don't know why, but that was part of it for me. So now I can officially say I'm completely a flyer now. Now I can fly wherever. It was over the pond. It was going over the ocean. It was all over the pond that I was worried about. about, You two are like sisters because she wanted to say, all right, wait a minute. Let's back up a second. She does fly, just not there. So that was We We often finish each other's sentences and we also constantly fight. Your sisters. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. You're up. Maggie, Mags, Magaroo. I would say um, my last 30 days have been, um, I feel like immersed is the right word. Immersed in the things of life. Okay. Um, and I, and I say that I couldn't really, I can't really figure out another adjective. I'm sure you guys will, but um I think because I've had like my son graduating from high school and my niece's, yeah, my niece's wedding in Maine and there's a new baby and there's a new baby in our, um, my, my other niece had a baby that I spent time with, you know, at the wedding and we've like driven 15 hours to Maine and then I drove home and then we had a uh, blackout for three days in <laughs> in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. So it was like everything of life. It was like, and, and I'm trying to help my son register for college and this and that. So it's like everything of life was coming about. So I sort of feel immersed in the, like sort of the light in the world. Yeah. Like immersed in life stuff. And lots of details. There yeah. were a lot of details. Yeah. yeah. And then I also, Abby has helped me. Um, Abby hired me an organizer. <laughs> and she asked for her I birthday did, for I an organizer. This is what I wanted, but Abby hired one for me and she has started working with me and it's been slow because of COVID and blackouts and this and that. But 
we did like a ton of work on parts of my house. And so it's been really amazing, but a lot of work, like a lot of, yeah, a lot of work. And so it's just like, I've been immersed in all these, all these like big things going on. When you do this, you cover my face with I'm your hand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, thought was I was thinking jazz hands again. Jazz hands. Hands. I thought that was a good thing. It is a good, you know what? Yeah. You can just keep it right. <laughs> know, there do, you mine, go. Do, mine. do mine. Okay. So we have to have another conversation about the organizer. Cause I want my friend who's my sister to hire me one for my birthday. Like, how's that work? This like, woman you, that she hired is amazing. Has amazing. changed her life. She's amazing because she's not judgmental and she, that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah. She's not judgmental. And she also really, I mean, it's something we try to do in anxiety sisters with anxiety, but she does it with organizing that she really tries to take the time to figure out what will work for me. Not that there's this rule of organizing. Gotcha. You know, like, because organizers naturally think off in a very organized way and I don't. So she really thinks about, okay, will this work for you or this work for you or this? Like she, Amy avoids the word should. Yeah. Which is what we do in our book. We avoid the word should because should yeah. is, yeah. you know, shoulding all over ourselves is what causes anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we try in our own work not to be prescriptive because we're very well aware from being sufferers ourselves, how hard it is. Yeah. To feel like you can't succeed at yet another thing because someone's telling you something you could do and it's yet another thing you maybe can't do. Yeah. So one thing that's marvelous about this particular organizer is that she meets Maggie where she is. There's no, yeah. sh there's no shame. Yeah. And we try to figure out what's going to help me, not, not someone else, not her last client. That's, that's an amazing organizer. Yeah. She's amazing. I love her. She's wonderful. What a great you can her name at the end of the I podcast. can, I can because she's starting to do stuff online. Ah, and I have one more question about that. Do you hire per hour? Like, how do you do that? I mean, they all work a little different, but most of them have some sort of package. So they'll say, yeah. you know, for this amount of hours, it's this much money, you know, yeah. and they'll yeah. have different packages that you can get. Love it. I, I love that. That's a great gift. Okay. So ladies, yes. are you, I know the answer, but sisters. <laughs> We're soul sisters. Yeah, I get that. I have my soul sister. We call her Sissy Sue. And how did you form that? When did you start calling each other sisters? Like, tell us a little bit about how you met. Well, we actually met back in college. Um, we went to college in Pennsylvania. Where <laughs> did you go? University of Pennsylvania, because you're a Philly girl, right? And um, we became, you know, close close friends in college. And then really after college, we really became each other's touchstone. I would say we really stuck by each other. And that was both of us developed. Well, we had already, we didn't develop, but both of us found that our anxiety disorders became much more intrusive as we sort of went out into the world. Oh yeah. 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 Adult responsibilities. And, and we were each other's support through this, through our anxiety. I mean, there were other ways in which we were each other's support and really close to each other too, but that really gave us a very, very um, intense bond because we were both yeah. dance together. And we were, and we were really not judgmental with each other. Like I felt that she was the one person that I could call and tell her the real truth of what I was feeling and what I was doing. And she wouldn't make me feel bad about it. Yeah. 
And that was the most healing thing. I mean, we, we, we called our 20s the decade of our ists because we literally went to every ist on the planet. We went to the cardiologist, the neurologist, the therapist, the hypnotist, the past life regressionist, the nutritionist. I mean, you name it. If it had, acupuncturist. If, if it had an ist and they'd take it. Oh, my we, God. We went because we were suffering so much with our anxiety, as Mag said. It really became debilitating for both of us at different points in our 20s. And so, you know, at, at one point, Maggie couldn't leave her house. She had so yeah. many phobias and so many things that she couldn't do. And I developed really intense obsessions and compulsions with my OCD. Mm. So we really were struggling. And our, even though we were helped by a lot of professionals, we were helped by medication, we were helped by all the techniques that we talk about in our book, one of the most healing things was our connection with each other. And that's why we decided to start the sisterhood because we wanted other mm. people to have a place where somebody would say to them, you know, I get it. I've yeah. been there. I am not judging you. I so understand you're going to get through it. Here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't work for me. We wanted that sharing thing because when we do that with each other, it feels like we can get through anything. You know, I think that's so true because I see it with a lot of my friend and family, the ones that seem to really excel is that not like, oh, I tried this system, that system, this system. They had that one person, whoever it is in their life, that they could go to. I always said unconditionally, unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. And I always say to my friend, you know, hold that space for them. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. More important than and. And you're making me think that's the common thread of all these people that I've seen overcome so many things and heal. And it didn't matter who that person is. It just has to be that one person in addition to the therapist right. and the hypnotist and psychiatrist. It also can be a community of people at times, because that's something we've seen on our Facebook page on Anxiety Sisters so much, or in workshops that we do or seminars we do or retreats is that especially when you're dealing with um, something like anxiety, but I'm sure it's other things too, but something like yeah. anxiety, it is, it's such an isolating and confusing disorder because it's so physical and there are also psychological um, yeah. things that happen. Yeah. And, and it's so confusing. Like what is going on? Am I, should I be going to the emergency room or am I okay? Is this, and so having a community of other people who can say, yeah, yeah, no, I have that too. You're not the only one with numb hands. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. um, I mean, it is tremendously helpful. We've been helped so much by our community too, because I'm sure more and more and more people coming together and saying like, yeah, this is, this is a normal thing that happens. You know, this is something that happens and there are all these different symptoms mm. and we, we all understand each other. And that's a very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, you're right. The community, the community, my girlfriend always says to me, even if she didn't have quote unquote, a happy, normal family, she's formed her own community. Yes. Mm. That's it. That's it. That is it. Of people that support. So that's what you're talking about too. So yes. in addition to just that one best friend, whomever you talk to, yeah. you also you've have formed this community that surrounds you. That's your family and friends, whether your family gets you or not. That you yeah. can go to. I mean, and that's, and that's so important because 
um, all the research shows, like all the, the many research studies show that in terms of just you know, our health, in terms of our resilience when hard things happen, in terms mm. of longevity, but also like how we live and how satisfied we are with our lives, yeah. how many far our lives are. Community is, it is the, it is perhaps the most important piece that we have. You know, I was thinking about that with my uh, son who's in high school. We found, we transferred him out of his first high school to the second one, and it's very artsy and it's small. And he, he decided to be an art major. And when he found his community, he just blossomed. It doesn't yeah. matter what the community is, yes. whatever. But he found his. Find your art. tribe, your people. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, people said to me, what happened? It was like almost in a year he flirted. Well, he couldn't find where he belonged at the other high school. Yes. It, yeah. it don't matter what group you're in. You need that group. And he found this group of people that got him he could talk to had the same interest and flourish so i want to talk about more about this the community you formed how long ago have you formed it when did you start it we 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 created our virtual community in february of 2017 is when we went live we had a website and we that's when we started our facebook stuff and um i mean we've been thinking about and and we've been doing research and thinking about the community and how we would do it and writing the book and all that stuff since 2010. Uh, That's really when we started interviewing people about the experience of anxiety. Um, so we, it, this has been a, the whole, the, the formation of the community and then the subsequent publication of our book has been 12 years in, in the making. making. Yeah. It's really been a long project. I bet you had no idea how big the community would be. We're still surprised. <laughs> like, oh my God. We knew we'd make an impact, but I think now you're up to like over 200,000 people. That Yeah. And what's really funny is that when we started, it, I mean, I remember begging my brother to join, like, <laughs> just hit the like button. It doesn't matter. Just hit the like button. He's like, why? I don't even do it. I'm like, please hit the like button. We had to beg people to, I mean, I literally was on my own Facebook page where I only had a hundred friends in the world anyway. And I was like, please, would all of you just hit the like button? Because it was, you know, it was crickets over there. Oh, how long, how long did it take? This is good for people to know. It feels like it was fast, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I Abby, mean, Abby knows time. And yeah. Stuff I mean, I do, it, it, it grew pretty fast. It yeah. did what it took, but it took a, it took us like sort of we had to change some things around to yeah. make it mm. to make it more usable. Yeah, I yeah. Like we, we definitely had to tweak our play with our website a few times to make it because we were trying to figure out a space for the community. And we, originally we had it on our website in the form of forums. Yeah, yeah. And then what happened was all the people on the forums started saying in their notes that were saying things like "Let's meet up on FB." Yeah, yeah. And, then, and so then we were like, all right, well, if they're all leaving our website to meet up on Facebook, let's just. You know, <laughs> be on Facebook and then they can just come to us there. Yeah. So we ended up doing a lot of tweaking. We also, we weren't sure for a while if we were going to strictly do the writing, if we were going to do workshops, we ended up spending a lot of time doing workshops and seminars. We did a retreat that was really fun. So oh. we kind of got into a whole, we got really immersed. Yeah. Um, and, um, but I would say that after the first 500 people, it went fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and, and I do want to say to anyone starting anything, we all have the same experiences, which, which we try a bunch of things and a bunch of things don't work. Failure. Absolutely. It's and it's part like, of it. 
Yes, and you will spend some money and time, a lot of and, money. and a lot of time. Think like, and some some expert will tell you like, do this, do this, do this, and so that is all part of the process. Yeah, yeah. And we're always careful to tell people that this has been twelve years yeah. in the making. Yeah, before our book came out, because yeah. Yeah. it was yeah. not something that happened quickly or easily, and there was still a lot of luck too. I mean, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we've been really lucky. We're grateful to be successful, but it really there was definitely a dose of luck. But there was also the piece of us that every year said, "Oh God, are we going to do this again? Are we going to keep banging our head against?" It? <laughs> and, we, and, and every once in a while, one of us would give up. Yeah, and the other one would say, "All right, you can pout. We're going to keep doing this. You pout. I will yeah. do this." And and we sort of kept pulling each other along. We were able to start doing it full time in 2017. Wow. So from, tw from 2010 to 2017, we each had other lives too. Career. Oh, I was going to ask you that. Did you have other jobs? Like, yeah. when did you become all in? All in 2017 when we turned 50. Woohoo! We were like, all right, the second half of our life, we're going to give back. We were, we were, yeah, yeah, I know, but we, but no, we literally meant we were going to, yeah, you know, really focus yeah. on focus making on the world a better place, you know, yeah. and do, we really felt that at that point, we, at 50, we yeah. had the, the wisdom of people who had careers as well as, so we were experts clinically as well as people who had walked the walk for yeah. their lives. Yeah. 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 Okay. So as far as I got so many questions that people want to know. Sure. How did you feel growing up? They want to know if, well, I got yeah, about 20 yes. questions That's on this. Questions. That's a good yeah, question. Yeah, like they want to know, let me make sure I get this right. We'll call her Sally Bell. Did you get family support or she feels like her family doesn't get her? Quote, unquote, they seem to, <laughs> they seem to love her, but they just say, get it together and suck it up. Yeah. Well, the first thing we'll say to the part about get it together and suck it up is that that is coming from a place of truly not understanding. Yeah. It's hard to hear that. And I have heard it a lot in my life from my family members. Uh, and I have a very loving family. Yeah. But it was not a family that understood anxiety. And for a long time, I was very angered by that. And I think that's a very normal reaction to feel yeah. hurt and angry. And I still do get hurt by it. But I think the anger started to dissipate when I, when I began to realize that they're, they're, when people don't understand something, they tend to make you feel bad about it. Yep. So that's one. So one thing I would say to Sally is that, you know, yes, we, we get that. And by the way, we hear about it way more often mm -hmm. than the other way. There are way more families that don't understand than there are that do sadly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so we, so we say that to Sally, but in terms of our childhoods, I remember having obsessions and compulsions. So OCD, my anxiety, the biggest part of my anxiety. I remember having that at five years old when I used to have to leave the house, go into the garage and tap the tires of my family car so that we would have a safe ride. In my mind, if I touched each tire. Yep. Yeah. 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 I get it. I get it. But here's the kicker. I never told my family about it. Ah. So to answer Sally's question, I did not get diagnosed with OCD until I was 46 years old. So we're talking about 40 years of keeping it to myself. I mean, I shared it with Maggie, but for, yeah. for and I didn't have Maggie until I was 18 or 19. But, you know, for, but for in terms of and I consider myself to have a really loving family, but I, yeah. didn't feel, I didn't feel they would understand. And so what happened was they read our book. And my mother called me up and she said, I didn't know any of this. 
She said, I had no idea. I feel so terrible. I must have been the worst mother ever that I, you were suffering like this and I didn't know it. Or notice it. You couldn't know it. I didn't tell you. Wow. I wouldn't share it with you because I, you know, I didn't think you would understand and I didn't want to put, you know, that responsibility on you anyway, but it was lonely and difficult. So I understand that. And, and that's been my experience in terms of, you know, for my child, Maggie's has been different. Yeah. I just want to get this straight. 46. Yeah. That was when I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. She was diagnosed with anxiety. Oh, I was diagnosed with anxiety in my twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, but it was always called panic disorder or, you know, generalized anxiety. And so, and, and, and doctors treated me for panic disorder because I definitely had a lot of panic attacks. Yeah. But a very astute psychiatrist whom I still go to, to this day, because he is so smart said, you know, I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking that panic is not really your problem. (laughs) (laughs) And he changed my life because he changed my medication. And we started focusing on the obsessions and the compulsions, which were truly what was disrupting my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have all kinds of anxiety, you know, phobias and catastrophizing. And, you know, I have practically a PhD in catastrophizing. So I I, I feel very well-rounded. Like if it was like a- if it was a gymnastics meet, I would be the all-around <laughs> champion. Like I've done them all, but but um, but I do feel that this particular psychiatrist was able to say, "What's stopping you from living your life? What's keeping you from being in the own, your own driver's seat? Are your obsessions and compulsions? So let's work on that." And ironically, wow. worked on that, and we've been working on that now for many years. The panic really subsided quite a bit. Wow. That gives hope to a lot of people. Like it's never too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you were 46 and figuring out. Yeah. All right. We'll come back to that. All right, Maggie. Um, Tell Sally, Sally, we're telling you, um, give our book, the anxiety sister survival guide to the family, because there's even a part of our book where we really talk about um, how to discuss anxiety with your family and how to explain it to them. And how to be supportive if you're a family member of someone who has anxiety and you don't even understand it. Right. Awesome. It really is one of those illnesses that's an invisible illness, but it's every bit as real as having any other kind of illness. You know, Mm. it's every bit real. And um, I think in our culture, you know, if you're not wearing a cast or don't have some other outward um, marker of illness. That you can see. That you can see. I mean, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before. It's like you can't see something. It's very hard for them to understand that this really is happening in your brain and your body. We're all one. But um, I'm not just tooting the horn for our book, but I am saying that we really explain it all. We really lay that out in our book. And you and should treat your own book. book. So, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a good bee treat. Yeah. yeah. It might be helpful for them. Yeah. All right. So now growing up, Mag. Growing up, I, you know, I was in a home that was a little bit more, uh, my mother was a social worker. So we were in a home that, that sort of psycho- mental health and psychology was not quite as foreign. Like Abby yeah. was in a, yeah. not in that kind of home. 
because they didn't need to be. And um, I think they needed to be. Well, I mean, they, you know, they were, but we had certain right. things happening. Like my dad had a very long, long physical illness. And we had certain things happening that sort of created those circumstances that we were a little more attuned. But I, I have to say, I grew up in the 70s and I had really bad separation anxiety. Anxiety and, was in the air in your house. Yeah, it was in the, that's what we say is anxiety was in the air in my house. But I had a lot of anxiety. And there wasn't as much emphasis on how to treat sort of mild. It wasn't always mild, but you know, I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there wasn't so much an emphasis on always treating it. People didn't catch it often. Um, so, you know, I also grew up not sure kind of what was wrong. Like I knew something wasn't clicking in. Yeah, yeah. Correctly, but I didn't know what it was. And, and so, that I really found out in my 20s when I really stopped functioning, you know, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, this is anxiety and I've always had it. Um, but now I sort of can't move forward. I really, I can't leave my apartment. I can't yeah. Go, yeah. Know, go on the elevator. I can't get to work. I can't. She literally fly. couldn't go on the elevator and she was on the 16th floor of a Manhattan high rise. Yeah. So it was tricky. Yeah. It was a very long time. A long, a long a long season. So I had to, I had to really, um, yeah. yeah, I had to, so things really stopped for me in a sense. And, yeah. that, and for many years and I put off, you know, having children and I put off career things because I really didn't think I was capable of those things while I was having. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you used to you tell know, me you didn't think you'd ever be able to have a family. I, she used to tell me, you know, we talked every single day on the phone and she used to say to me, I just think I'm going to have to live my whole life in this apartment. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to. It's Manhattan. You can get Chinese food delivered. I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I thought, you know, I really yeah. did think we'd live in that apartment and I was married. I thought we'd live in that apartment and I kind of like sort of half live, quarter live because yeah. it would be things yeah. you can do. And that's that's how severe it was for me mm. um and you know and i definitely empathize with with sally a lot because it's hard to explain it to people mm. yeah so for you maggie when was the shift then like because you said you were like this is yeah the would, way my life's gonna be it's a nice apartment um, <laughs> i would say you know i i like to tell people that the shift the shift is not like one day you wake up and I'm okay. The shift was slow. It was a slow shift, but it was, you know, doing all these different, trying all these different things. Well, you things. went to that psychiatrist I who, did. she went to a psychiatrist who said to her, you're going to have to do the things you're scared to do. Yeah. This is exposure therapy. Yeah. 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 And, and I really had to work on that for a long time. And some things were not so bad. Some things like the elevator, although I was going up and down my elevator, staying in it for an hour. And my doorman kept like laughing because I was just going up and down. The very and, first time you did it, you were sick to your stomach. You were No, no, out. it wasn't easy. Yeah. But I'm yeah. saying that, yeah. you know, some of the things were not as hard as others. Now driving. Mm. Oh, the driving was, was a, years. The driving, yeah. I, you know, you get to different levels of comfort. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You can do things and then, you know, you keep working on it, keep working on it, keep yeah. working on it. And then you can do them comfortably until you're not afraid anymore. Yeah. And I would have to say with certain things that took a long time, that took years till I was fully, fully comfortable. 
And by the way, you don't have to do it until you're not afraid anymore. Cause like for me, I'm still afraid when I get on an airplane, it's, you want to get to the point where even though you're afraid, it's yeah. not going to stop you from doing what you want to do. Right. Right. Cause I, I don't want people to think the fear will just miraculously go. Away. No, 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 no. For most of us, it doesn't completely. I mean, Maggie, I'd have to say with driving, she used to be terrified to drive on highways and now she drives 15 hours on highways, like in the middle of the night for no reason. Sometimes like, yeah. she just really, I was driving home from Maine, but I'm like, no, but I'm just saying that she doesn't mind a long drive on a highway, even more than like, I've never had a fear of driving and I don't want to be on a highway as long. No, no. Yeah. That's but huge. I, but I have to say that for some things like flying, you know, for most of us, we, we, we may fly, you know, Abby flies quite a bit, but it's not something in your daily life. So unless you're an anxiety sister that runs a community, (laughs) but some of the fear might stay, but what happens for a lot of things is with exposure therapy is like you just yourself and eventually, well, you know, what's interesting is that I always had a needle phobia. I was always, I mean, I, you know, yeah, about this. Yeah. we were both always terrified of shots, injections, oh, needles. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Freaked us out, right? And ever since the pandemic, you know, I've had so many damn shots now. I'm really not afraid of them. Yes. I mean, I'm not happy about the side effects, but yeah, I know what you mean. But the actual shot itself, I used to pass out when I would get a shot. Yeah. I used to have to, like, if I have to get a shot, I'd have to sit on the floor with pillows because I would say, I'm going to pass out. So I just should be on the floor already. Yeah. And yeah. now, oh yeah, give me a shot. I'll deal with it. It's like you get used to it. Yeah. You do something often enough if you're doing it every few months. Yeah, yeah. And I get the analogy of the driving versus flying because when people get on the highways, they don't say, oh, every time I go into the city, have a safe trip. But if I go on a uh, flight, they're like, yes, yes. I hope you're safe. And that's because you don't fly every day. Right. It's an unusual thing. Yeah. Unless, you know, and it's very crippling to have that, um, particularly that fear of driving. And we have so many people in our community who either can only drive locally or can't yeah. drive on the highway or, or can't drive in bridges or tunnels or can't drive at all. And, and it's a really in most of America, yeah. that's a pretty crippling phobia to have. Well, you know, I, I'm just going to mention this a little bit. So I love flying. Uh, I don't mind driving small local distances, but I don't enjoy turnpike or, or fast you know, highways. Right. And my son wanted to go visit one of his closest friends last summer in Indianapolis. He's like, mom, let's do road trip. I'm like, <laughs> okay. He's like, mom, we'll be fine. I'll talk you through. So it was like, <laughs> oh, that's so nice. You had, and, you had support. You had a community. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we, we broke it up so that it was like six hours and six hours. But there were some times like I got like when you talk about exposure, it was like there was a I don't know, it was a, a hurricane somewhere at one point and it was affecting us where we were driving. And then there was a tornado and it was like five miles white knuckling in rain. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. I do. And I got through. And so there were times he would just say, Mom, just breathe. And he would sing to me. We put podcast on and it was great. So now this time we went on a family trip and it was a 10 hour drive that I was taking him down. He's like, mom, you got this. But I want to say, I still got the fear the night before. It wasn't like it was totally gone. I'm like, but I was like, okay, you've done this before. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And it was less, but it was still there. Of course. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what I was saying when I said that it doesn't mean you're never going to feel the fear. It just means that you're going to be able to do what you want to do. In other words, 
yeah. we think of anxiety not as a problem because it's human, right? Yeah. If you're a human being, you've experienced anxiety at some point in your life. It's yeah. just part of the process. It's part of it's it's like every other emotion, part of what you experience. Yeah. Right? So it, we only think of anxiety as a real problem when it is in the driver's seat. And when it is yeah. determining who you'll see, what you'll do, and where you'll go. Yeah, what you want to do. What you yeah, want to do. do. If you don't want to do something, then yeah. if you have anxiety yeah. about it, that's fine. But yeah. if you want to do something and it's your anxiety that's not allowing it, that's where you want to start working on it. And it is treatable in that way. It's manageable. Yeah. And what we tend to do is we tend to shrink our lives. So we tend to, if we're anxiety sisters, we can easily say like, oh, yeah, my friends are going there, but I don't really want to go. It's okay if I don't. Oh, yes. I'm yeah, yeah. Fine about that. Yeah, yeah. Without going to the beach, my life will be fine. Or on that trip, and and that we call shrinking world syndrome. <laughs> Sorry, I put you were shrinking my world. I, I was shrinking your world. And so you know what we kind of say is that that's that's what to be careful of is right. your world shrinking. And if you notice that your world is shrinking, then that's a I very love that. Sign. I love that. That's a sign. Oh, I, you know what? Maybe I should attend to this. And what's really great about our book is that it gives you hope. At yeah. any time, if you discover I have shrinking world syndrome, that's what we call it, SWS. I have shrinking world I syndrome. I love that. I love right? that. Then, okay, then get on Anxiety Sisters and join. It's free and meet your tribe and you absolutely know, looking at absolutely. ways that you, that you can incorporate into your life right now to start that process of regaining your own agency. Yeah. Uh, that, and, and I think that's an important thing. You don't, you don't want it holding you back for something right. you really want to do. Right. Right. All right. So then maybe we should start right here. I mean, I should have put this up at the beginning. <laughs> what is the difference? That's all right. Never too late between anxiety and stress, because I do think people get confused and I did get asked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, stress is something that we all we can, it's, it's something that we call cued, meaning that we pretty much can trace a stressor. And as human beings, we all experience stress, right? So we're feeling stress. Someone, someone says to you, you know, Sandy Joy, why are you feeling stressed? You would say, oh, things at work are crazy. Or, oh, you know, my husband's driving me nuts. Or, oh, money situation is tied. Or somebody in the family is sick, I have to take care of them. Whatever it is, right? There's the stressors are things that we can point to that make us feel anxious and stressed out, right? Then there's chronic long-term stress that, you know, uh, maybe being a caretaker, a caregiver over a long period of time for either an ill child or family member, or, you know, someone that you're caring for or racism or poverty, discrimination, um, having a disability that can, that, that, that is really, you know, making things difficult, you know, being really in in a situation where you don't have any community or resources at all to help you with anything. These are all that's the type of chronic stress that can actually create an anxiety disorder. Mm. Because think about it. If you're constantly living in fight or flight, right? If, you're, if yeah. your oh, whole yeah. life is adrenaline, because that's just the situation you're in, the circumstances you're in, eventually that's all your brain will know to do. You'll, it'll keep the adrenaline turned on because it's used to that. It's, it, in other words, if that's your response to everything, it, the brain says, I got it. We'll just do that. It's the shortcut. So, so ah. that's something now, now the thing about anxiety is that, you know, we can talk about anxiety in a, in a neurological term, which I always think helps people. If we look at the neuroscience of it, 
Anxiety is what happens when your amygdala, which is a little almond-shaped part of your limbic system in your brain, and it acts as the lookout, you know, kind of like the guy on the bridge with the with this telescope. And when it perceives that there's a possible danger to the body and mind, it yells to the hypothalamus, danger, danger. And then the hypothalamus says, okay, all systems go. And it pushes the red button and boom, your kidneys immediately send out that adrenaline. And the cortisol starts to go through. And now your big muscle groups, the, the blood is pumping to your big muscle groups so you can be ready to fight or flee an enemy, right? It's all about danger. It goes back to evolution, right? When we use, mm. you know, Maggie pointed out to me recently that it's only recently that we're not um, somewhere in the middle of the food chain, right? Years ago, <laughs> we weren't at the top. Now we're at the top of the food chain. So life is a lot easier in terms of survival for most of us, right? Most of us who are fortunate, you know, the back in cave people days, you could be somebody's lunch very easily. So the brain evolved with one job, and the job was to protect you from danger. So your amygdala is your early warning system, okay? So all of us, when, let's just say, you know, if you step into your backyard and a snake slithers across your path, you're going to have that startle response. Your adrenaline is going to start pumping. Your heart's going to start racing. Why? Because we don't know if we're in real danger. I mean, if it's yeah, a yeah. snake or a cobra, it could be real danger, yeah. right? We don't know right away whether it's a garden snake or just a toy. We just know, uh oh, snake, that could be danger. That's your amygdala's job. In somebody with an anxiety disorder, the amygdala tends to be trigger happy. And the amygdala tends to yell out danger at moments when there's not really a threat. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is why you could be standing in the grocery line, minding your own business, and suddenly you're sweaty, your heart is racing, you're feeling dizzy, and you're wondering, oh, my God, do I need to go to the emergency room here? Yes. And, it's, and it ends up being anxiety. That's your amygdala tripped everything. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, it perceived danger, even though there wasn't any. So that that's sort of the scientific yeah. explanation of what anxiety is. And stress does cause that anxiety response, right? Like if you're under stress, then your heart might yeah. be faster. Yeah. Your blood pressure yeah. will go up. Yeah. All the things will happen as if you were being chased by an enemy or if you were fighting for your life. Yeah. Does that make it clear? No, it does. I love it. And I'm glad you explained it. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, okay. Now I get it. You know, that's what's happening. Yeah. And I think it's really, it's very helpful. So then let's piggyback on that. Okay. What should you do when somebody is having a panic attack? And I got a lot of questions from parents when their kid is having a panic attack or their husband or their wife, what should you do? Well, our, the Anxiety Sister Survival Guide is is full of ideas of what to do, and we'll give you some here. And the, Oh, the, good. Oh, great. So you can, what to do, not just when you're having it, but what to do with someone no, else. The reason we say this is only because it's there's not like different things help different people. And so we that's why we made our um, survival guide have so many different ideas. Great. Right? Different, great. You know, we always say one size doesn't fit all and one size do, may not fit you day to day from one day to the next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? right. So you need to have a pretty big toolbox. Um, and so one one thing that has helped many, many people is that we have a panic button on our website. Um, and it's it's on every page of our website, which is anxiety sisters.com. And you press it. It's like a little red button. And it says, help them having a panic attack. Right. And. And it's basically a recording of Abby 
kind of talking you through the panic attack. And I've seen kids use it. I've seen teens use it and adults. It's free. It's, it's and we have no idea who pushes it. We just know that it gets pushed 1700 times a week. Yes. It's yes. Awesome. So you can do it on your phone. You can Whoa. do it on your computer. That was my next thing. Can they yeah. do it on their phone? Yeah. Cause they oh, can yeah. it in the middle of a store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we, we recommend if you're either with people who have a lot of panic attacks or you're the one having the panic attack, you really prepare. Um, and we call this a spin kit. Do you, you're better at explaining the spin kit. Do you want to You're so it? lazy. She uh, makes me explain this. I'll explain out. the spin kit if you want. But oh, you're really you can, uh, whatever. Okay. So spin kit is our term for a first aid kit for anxiety. Okay. Okay. So if you have an allergy, you would carry an EpiPen? Yeah. 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 Okay. If you have anxiety or if your child has anxiety, you want to carry a spin kit. And what goes in a spin kit? Three types of things. And like Maggie said, one size doesn't fit all. So everyone's spin kit's going to look different, right? What's going to be in your spin kit will be different from what's in mine because different things soothe different people. But we have three types of things that you want to have in your spin kit. One is you want to have a distractor. Okay. You want to have one or two choices of things just to keep your mind slightly occupied while you're experiencing the panic. Because the truth is, is that you can't fight panic. It's kind of like being a riptide. Can't fight yeah. a riptide, yeah. right? No matter how strong a swimmer you are, yeah. Michael Phelps doesn't fight a riptide. You yeah. have to swim with it until it releases you. Yep. Speaking is true for panic. The more you fight it, the more intense it's gonna feel, right? Because what we pay attention to grows. So if we're thinking about our symptoms, they're gonna grow. So a distractor, gets you off the symptoms for a bit. You're still going to feel that discomfort of anxiety, but you're going to be doing something also. So Maggie in her spin kit keeps crochet needles and some kind of crochet yarn. Yarn. So yeah, got it, got it. And that keeps her busy. You know, that's something where it's not so much thought that she has to, brain power. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to concentrate. Like I couldn't, yeah. you want, maybe wouldn't want to do a crossword puzzle. That might be too much. Yeah, yeah, but, no. You know, now I... I have a fidget spinner. I have one of those ones with lights and everything that, you know, yeah. I'm like, ooh, shiny things. So, yeah. you know, or yeah. a kaleidoscope is sometimes really cool. Um, I keep pictures of my cats in my spin kit because they're very soothing to me. For children, keep some bubbles or adults, keep some bubbles yeah. in yeah. spin kit because not only does that give them something to do, but you're actually teaching them some breathing. Yeah. Um, they're starting to slow down their respiration if they, so you can keep bubbles for children. Mm. One. Yeah. Yeah. So something to distract you. And then you want to have symptom relief, right? So if you have, let's just say you get an upset stomach when you're anxious, which is very true of a lot of people, maybe in your spin kit, you have Tums or Gas X or Maggie keeps ginger tea in hers because that really settles her stomach. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe you get migraines or, or really bad headaches when you have anxiety. So you might want to keep your Excedrin or your Advil or your Tylenol in your spin kit. Maybe you have a sedative like a benzodiazepine, like Ativan or Xanax. Yeah. Whatever your symptom relief is for your particular symptoms, you want to keep it with you so that you have it at the ready. If you're someone who gets really hot during an, a panic attack, which I do, you can keep a cooling cloth. You know, one of those cloths. Yeah, where you yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing, too, yeah. is... And then, and then the third thing you want to have in the kit is what we call sensory soother, which also acts as a grounding agent. When we're panicky, we very often feel like we're sort of disoriented and floating outside of ourselves, mm -hmm. right? It, does, it feels very disorienting to be panicking. So grounding tools and sensory tools help us keep our feet on the ground and bring us back into the present moment. And so things you can use for grounding would be like Maggie said, a cool cloth, right? Or anything to soothe your senses, maybe, um, 
like for for me, I like to have a, like the cranberry um, mm-hmm. rescue remedy box rescue remedy in cranberry. I like the taste of that. It's a strong oh. taste. It, oh, and it keeps me grounded. Or mints, very strong mints, right? If you have yeah. that in your mouth, you're not going to be thinking about anything other than that mint. That's very yeah. strong in yeah. your mouth. Or maybe yeah. there's a smell that you like: gardenia, lavender, those essential oils. Yeah, oil, I love whatever, that. Whatever you want to smell, or a or a fabric, or a or music, whatever whatever works for you. And that's going to be, as we said, that's going to be different for all of us. Right. Sort of. Yeah. Big. Yeah. So you want to have at least one thing from each of those categories so that this way, if some, if, if you're feeling panicky and you pull out your fidget spinner and you think to yourself, you know what, that does not look like it's going to help this time, then you have a backup. So I always say get two of everything so that you can change it up and yeah. carry it with you. I, you know, I, Maggie used a Ziploc forever. I used to be like, come on, you could be a little more sporty Lamb. and a little more Lamb. than that. But yeah. Those yeah. cosmetic bags, whatever, something you can carry with you that has your spin kit in it. And this way, when the panic hits, you are so ready that you take away all of the intensity because you know what panic's good at? Sneaking up on people. Yeah. So if you have a spin kit, it can't sneak up on you. You're not going to say, oh my God, what, why is this happening? You're going to say, oh, all right, here's my spin kit. I, I know what to do. And just like as a parent, we, we I love it. many, many things for our kids as parents, right? When they were little, you like pack the Cheerios and the this and the I that. I carried a diaper bag until my kids were like 10. Yeah, yeah. You carry all that stuff. If you have an anxious child, you know, start experimenting with some stuff that feels yeah. soothing. Yeah. Yeah. soothing. Sometimes it's their favorite music. I'm thinking I wish I (laughs) I wish I would have met you guys earlier when my kid was younger and knew about the spin kit. The one thing besides breathing that I knew worked for my son, it was me acting like an idiot. When if I if I would like be and he would be in a store or something and I would start dancing, it for some reason (laughs) relaxed him. That's great. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. I, I mean, that's all I didn't know what like at the time I just did, but I knew it worked. So I think so. What listeners, let's keep it real, listeners, what Sandy Joy is saying is that she is a walking spin kit and you yes. can <laughs> with you wherever you go. No. I, but I if you could see the times in the store, I'd be just and he'd be it would get the attention off him. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Well for you know, part of the reason that we got so interested in spin kits is like if you have children who have sensory issues, you're gonna have children that panic more. And I did. And yeah. so there were all sorts of little tools that they yeah. have for sensory issues. Yeah. Um like weighted blankets, weighted yes, blankets, yes. Um those fidget like little things to fidget with or touch yeah. and and we we become very aware that certain textures are not helpful. Absolutely. Are. So all of that sensory stuff is very similar for people who, who suffer from anxiety. You know, we sort of believe that a lot of us who have a lot of anxiety have a lot of sensory issues going in. We believe yeah. it's yeah. more yeah. likely to have them. Yeah. yeah. And then certainly everyone, when they are having anxiety, almost everyone gets sensory issues because you know, like Abby said before, you, the job of your brain is to keep you safe, right? And to be hyper vigilant. And when we're in that hyper vigilant mode, our senses are smelling everything, seeing everything, reacting to everything. Yeah. So, you know, the sensory stuff becomes very important. 
Yeah. Think it's a very important way to deal with, with panic. And attacks. we also believe that soothing is not an intellectual pursuit. It's yeah. a whole body pursuit. So if you if you are putting a cool cloth on your neck, then that's sending signals to your whole body that everything is okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can talk to you guys forever, oh. ever, ever. Yeah, and, I'm sorry. and we're talking. We can't. No, we can't. Uh, no, we're you talking. got this is great. This is great stuff. And I'm not, I apologize, people, but you can reach out to them. We'll give you all that information. But I do want to get this one question in because sure. it's not something I'm familiar with and I heard, and you just were touching on it. This woman has always had an issue with the texture of food. Now, this is a whole thing she sent me, but she gets anxiety about eating something, afraid of what it's going to feel like in her mouth to the point it could cause her anxiety. Someone says, try this. Let me read. She says, people say, just try it. Just try it. She could work herself up into a panic attack. And have you ever heard of that? And it's from trying foods and the texture of foods. Absolutely. It's a very common, it's, it's actually so a common, common thing. And it's there really, you go. I mean, I'm we'll not, her Betty Boop. I am not saying in any way that she has any autism, but it's such a common thing in the autism community where kids are really, or adults really can't eat. Or if you have sense, sensory issues. So there. it's like sense, it's a sensory piece. I'm not yeah, she's 32 and she says she's had this her whole life. Yeah, it's such a common, um, it's something you see a lot in the autism community, but it's oh. autism. You cannot have autism and have this because it's a sensory issue. Yeah, and I don't know if she does or not, but go ahead. um, So, I mean, depending on how she decides to go forward with it, you know, if it's impacting her in ways that are too hard, there's there's tons of um, often occupational therapists or speech therapists who do feeding um, therapy. Oh, and part of feeding therapy is not just to learn how to chew for some kids, but it's also to start to expand your textures and your sense Mm. of being able to try things. Now, maybe that's not important for her and that really sort of she has her food she can eat and it's really a matter of staying with them. It it just depends on the person. No, she would like to try. She feels like she's missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I mean, one of the things she might want to do is contact like a speech therapist. Oh, Um, never would have thought of that. And and see if they if they've done any kind of feeding therapy. There, there's also swallow therapists who may do that. Like, yeah, she you know, may not need a swallow. Right, but some swallow therapists do that. With, yeah, they did that with my mother-in-law with the textures. Yeah, I mean, oh, any, so it's all the texture. It's all like what it's going to well, feel it like. Well, and some people are doing how do you swallow, and some are doing you know how do you chew, but some are also really doing much more. If she explains it to them, like much yeah. more textures. Yeah. And mm. kind of, you know, they basically do a form of exposure therapy that yeah. she could also try herself. Yeah. She's like, you know, trying one new thing in a tiny bit and something that's a little more similar to something she's already eating. Yeah. Baby, mm. baby, baby steps. And yeah. just with that until that feels comfortable and then go up a little bit more. In other words, yeah. you know, it's sort of like with fear of flying. We tell people, you know, you start with just sitting on. Yeah. You don't start with flying the first time. You sit. They sit on the plane. Yeah. You get off the plane. In other words, really tiny steps. Yeah. yeah. Well, I Betty Boop. I think you definitely have to join the community and get the book because she didn't know anybody else that has this. So she was thinking, oh, I know, I know I'm not going to die, but I feel like I'm going to, if I eat. Yes. No, it's very, it's real. very, very real. There are people who feel like they're eating rocks. Like I always tell parents, 
we always tell parents, be very careful. You know, that whole thing of like, well, if, if that's the only thing on their plate, they'll eat it eventually. You know, that's like the whole philosophy. Uh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, and for some kids, I know that's fine. Yeah. And for other kids, mm. there's really, sensory issues that is not going to work. Right. Like my son would have starved before he ate something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also because he didn't really feel hunger. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, like you really have to be careful with that. So definitely there's a lot of different types of therapy. Yeah. And it's much more common than she thinks. Yeah. Yay. Yay, community. All right, ladies. I hate to say this. We have to go. It's yeah, been great. We understand. So. I loved it. We had a blast. I really, truly feel as if my audience is going to benefit from this so, so much. My let's keep it real people. Come on. They kept it real. And then some. I know you're going to want to share it, like it, rate it. We appreciate it. But before we go, how can they find you? How can they reach you? You've mentioned it throughout, but I want to make sure we have it again. Sure. Well, our website is www.anxietysisters.com. Our book is The Anxiety Sister Survival Guide. Um, and you can get it anywhere you buy books. It's published gotcha. by the Division of Random House. We have a Facebook page at Anxiety Sisters. Instagram is The Anxiety Sisters. The Anxiety Sisters. Um, we have a podcast called The Spin Cycle with The Anxiety Sisters. And we have an email, abs and mags at anxietysisters.com, which you can find on our website. And yeah. if you email us, we answer every email, every uh, um, every private, private message, message, every direct message. We answer it all. It yes. takes a few days now, but we do answer everything. Yeah. So cool. you have a question or you just want some support, give us a shout. Cool. I really appreciate you. I feel like I'm interrupting your vacation, right? You guys are hanging out. And, this is not a vacation. Oh. <laughs> oh. We're not on vacation. We're, we're working. We're working, so it's... it's <laughs> We're so grateful not to be writing right now. I know. Now. We're like, can we do another hour podcast so that we don't have to write? <laughs> so wait, are you writing another book? Are you writing a blog? We're starting our second book. Uh, yeah, we're very, very really starting it. So we're like, in fact, we scrapped yesterday completely the book we thought we were going to write. So yes. we're in that early stage. I get it. I get it. Well, have fun, ladies. Thank you. Oh, I really, really appreciate it. And I, uh, I just want to say I'm so appreciative of what you're doing in the world. We appreciate you. Yeah. We yeah. Do. I'm so happy you're putting this out in the world and impacting so many people and sharing your stories. So Thank I really you so appreciate it. Yeah. We love Philly girls. I know. That's what I was going to say. I think we just are like really attracted to the Philadelphia, the Philly part. Yeah. You know, like, like you're very cool. Yes. <laughs> and she in your, in your face, cool. You know, like. In your face, cool. That's what we like. And she probably says, she calls bagels bagels. Bagels. Yeah. Bagels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Water. It is what it is. Water. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. I used yeah. to. Uh, all right. You know what I'm going to say until next time. Keep it real. <laughs> I love that. I should say, keep it real. I always say poodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.